A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. And I've got a lovely episode for you today. I sit down with one of the actors from the new film, What's Love Got To Do With It? And that's Mim Shake, and we have a absolutely lovely chat. You're going to love Mim. He's, uh, he's, he's such a dude. Great taste in music and, uh, and, and, and shows some real... Real vulnerability on this podcast. I speak so openly and, and, and honestly, it's lovely. And uh, I think you're uh, going to really, really get a lot from this one. Um, before we get on with uh, Mim's chat, just a few thank yous. Um, I'd like to thank Scroobius Pip and everybody over at the Distraction Pieces Network. It's uh, a wonderful network that I feel very proud to be part of. Um, go check out all the other podcasts over there, including Pip's Distraction Pieces, uh, Brett Goldstein's Films to be Buried With, and uh, many, many more. Go go have a little look at uh, the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, I'd also like to thank the team at the Blue Murder Club podcast. They produce this podcast, so big thanks to them. If you like your true crime podcasts, then uh, head over to there and uh, and give them a follow and a listen. Also, if it's your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track, then welcome. Uh, I'd also like to say that we're about 470 episodes in, so you're pretty late to the party, but that's absolutely fine. It's absolutely fine. It's a very uh, welcome place, this podcast. Um, so when you get to the end of today's chat, which I'm telling you you're going to love, go and have a look in the archive because, well, there's a lot of great episodes with lots of your favourite actors, comedians, DJs, producers, um, yeah, I mean, if you, if you like your, your British actors, then I've been really lucky to have had great conversations with Maxine Peake, Joe Hartley, Thomas Turgoose, Tom Davis. Uh, who else have I had on? Let me have a little think. Bloody loads. Um, oh, names escape me. Uh, but if you like your comedy, uh, you can listen to me chatting to James Acaster, Ed Gamble, if you like... If you love your music, which I presume you do because you wouldn't be over here otherwise, go check out my chats with Chuck D from Public Enemy. You can hear me talking to The Killers, to Tommy Lee from Motley Crue, to Fatboy Slim, to The, the Killers. to oh, They've all been on. Go and have a good old rummage and uh, because there's stacks to be enjoyed and they're all there for free. All that I ask is that you just give us a little like, a love, a share, a follow on the socials. That's really, really helpful. Uh, and on the podcast itself, if you just click the subscribe button or the follow button on, on 
Spotify or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help, and uh, and it, and it enables more people to listen, uh, which means that essentially you know the podcast can keep going and and it you know and it and it can sort of cover its costs. Um, a way that you can help with that and and also get more stuff is by becoming a Patreon of Off the Beaten Track, and and that costs a dollar a month. I've I've kept it at a dollar a month just because. Well, we're living in a cost of living crisis, and it's it's not easy to to have disposable income. And and if you can spare, I think it works out seventy odd p a month. Uh, I promise to keep you uh, topped up with, with with some some extra stuff. You can watch all the episodes over on Patreon. If you like to watch your podcast, then then become a patron, and you can watch uh, all of the conversations. Um. As well as that, I do like little radio shows, which I put up over there. I try and do a couple of playlists each week, like little mixtapes that you can go and listen to. Um, and I do a monthly live show. And that, honestly, I can't recommend them enough. It's such a lovely little thing. Um, I do it over Zoom. And uh, and I just send the invite out to the Patreons. And, and I pick a track from, a, like a question from the podcast. And, uh and everybody comes along and some people just have their camera off and their microphone off and just watch. Um, other people like to get uh, more involved. I encourage that. And uh, and we just have, essentially, it's just a big old lovely reminisce of nostalgia and music. And and it just is your opportunity to guest on the podcast. You know, we, we all just chip in and have a, have a little chat and it's lovely. Um, and so I do them each month. And that all comes under the, the little umbrella that is my Patreon. And that'll cost you a dollar a month. And you can find out about that at Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash off the beat and track. It's not beaten. Um, and anything you need to know about the podcast, I do have a website which has links to the Patreon and merch and socials and everything. And that's just off the beat and track podcast dot com. Okay. Let's get on with it. Please enjoy today's episode of Off the Beaten Track Podcast with the delightful Mim Shake. It's Off the Beaten Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipin. Okay, we are recording, Mim. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. Um, I went, I literally just came back from Soho from recording like a little uh voiceover um so i've got chili in front of me um which because nice. i haven't had no lunch at the moment so if you, need tea, you feel um, your boots mate <laughs> that's that asmr stuff isn't it where people love all yeah, that yeah, mate. True, yeah. True. we've got an exclusive man we've got meme smashing his chili <laughs> um all right, well, look, before we, uh, before we get into it, let's just start right at the beginning uh, of, the, of the playlist and, and, and let's kick things off. I'm going to ask you, please, to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro. Yeah, so please. the song that I think has got the greatest ever intro is a track by a rapper called Cassidy, and the track is called I'm a Hustler, um, and it's the clean remix. And the reason for that is because there's two reasons. When I was really young... Um, I remember going to Canada and visiting one of my cousins who lives over there and his ringtone was this song. And I just remember hearing it when I was really young and being like, yo, that's actually a tune. And then as I got older and I started listening to it, um, I agreed that obviously it was a tune. Um, but aside from that, the whole, the, the intro starts like, 
I'm a hustler, I'm a, I'm a hustler. And that for me, it, it, may, it always just makes me like, because I know I am one and I know I, I work like really hard in regards to what I do and I have, do, have been doing it for a long time, right? So I think that track, and because it starts so punchy and heavy and it just, it goes in to it ASAP, it really resonated with me. It was weird when, yeah. when I had to choose what one, I just kept thinking like, I've listened to so much music over the time in, in my years. What am I going to, this is such a hard question to answer, but without thinking, it's like that one came to the forefront of my mind. So yeah, yeah that's the reason behind it. I want to talk intros, and when I have musicians on, uh, I'll generally ask them about songwriting. I'm right in saying you perform in spoken word, That's correct, right? yeah. So when you do that, um, do you tailor your pieces that when, when you perform them, that you go in hard from the beginning and hook them right at the beginning? Yeah. What's your approach to it's that? It's a really good question because I'm, I'm, at, I'm at early stages in, in my, like I'd say, performing spoken word poetry career I've, I've performed at a few like open mic nights uh, performed at a, a recent um, event called Dean and Dunya which was put on by one of my good friends called Azan um, and that we had the, we, it's, the question that you asked is so interesting because I was there with a the DJ and I'd recorded a track that had a backing track to it and it was very hard and it was very punchy sounding my vocals were very like bassy and they were very deep but as i got there i felt like it was too much for the uh for the environment it was a very intimate space so there was like a few people in front a few people on the side a few people on the side there so what we ended up what you thought it was too hard yeah it was like it was too loud for example like what what i recorded so what yeah. we've done is we we got the track um, the backing track, we got, a, a, we changed it to a different backing track, uh, made the sound like less bassy and I didn't perform it in a way that was like screaming and shouting in a way. Do you know what I mean? I think if we was in a stadium, for example, or if you was in an environment where it was a lot bigger and the speakers were bigger, then I think it would have sounded good. But because we was in a small, intimate space, we, we kind of tailored it down, you know? Sure, sure. How was you with that in regards to kind of making that knee-jerk decision there and then to kind of spin it a little bit and, and change your approach to it? Did that kind of affect your sort of confidence? It, nah, you know what it is with me, bro? I'm, I'm, I adapt very quickly to a, 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 a vibe or a scenario or an environment. Like, I, I base my decisions on a feeling rather than thinking all the time, you know? So when we done that, it, I was literally like, yo, how does, how will this feel when I perform this? Like, how will I feel? And how will that ultimately make the audience feel? If I came in there and said, yes, I'm small venue, but we're going to turn the speakers up like really loud and we're going to... I genuinely think if I came to an event like that, that's not really the vibe I wanted to kind of witness, you know? Yeah. So yeah. in that instance... um. Yeah, I'd say it was a just a quick, reactive like um, feeling that I was able to react with, rather than um, yeah, thinking about it for a long time. Yeah, how did spoken word kind of get into that? I, I'm, I'm fascinated by spoken word. This podcast comes out of the Distraction Pieces Network, which is run by my pal, uh, a, a, a former spoken word artist called Scrooby's yeah. Pip. 
and uh, and, and and Pip smashed that scene, um, you know, back in the day. And and so I'm always interested as to kind of what makes people that are already sort of establishing careers in 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 other you know areas to go. No, I'm going to do this. Like, uh, where did the decision come to do you it? You know what, bro? It's like it, it it never it never really came about from a point of view where I thought um, I could do it and and base a career off it and make money from it. For example, yeah, it came when i lost my grandmother when i was uh like 25 years old um and, and i'd always i've always been a writer like within my career whether that's a broadcaster on the bbc or whether that's acting in other people's projects i've always been writing like either my own short stories uh screenplays sketches whatever it is so like the writing lended itself to the spoken word poetry because i was trying to understand like through writing, I think sometimes I'm able to understand things better than through thinking. Because I'll be sitting there thinking, oh, why does that happen? Or why is the world like that? Or what do I need to do here? But then I'll start writing. And what will come out writing-wise will be different to the way that I think. And and that led me to just want to do it more and more. Um, yeah, and I'm a, ma- I'm a massive like rap music, hip-hop music fan, so... I love like rap music is rhythm and poetry at the end of the day. Do you know what I mean? So for me, I just thought like, yes, but I think a lot of people brand stuff as in this is that genre, this is that genre. But for me, I call it the spoken word poetry, but yeah, it is what it is at the end of the day, you know? Okay. I'm going to take you back for track two and I'm going to ask you to tell me the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Yeah. So the first track I remember hearing that had an emotional impact on me was Eminem uh, clearing out my closet. Um, and I remember where, I, yeah, I was in, I was living in, I was living in Kent. Um, I was in about year five or year six in school. And I remember that coming on on one of the music uh, channels, um, like the box or something like something old school. I remember listening to it and it's the first time I've heard someone, a man, express his feelings with his relationship towards his mum and I never heard no man in my vicinity in my reality at that point ever do that so I was listening to it and it just I remember just feeling like wow this guy really don't like his mum like Eminem really didn't like his mum in that track like why is that and then I was like it started making me for the first time start thinking about my relationship towards my mum and how much obviously I, I love my mum, but she wasn't able to be the mum that I necessarily needed when I was growing up. You know, I had to lean on grandmother, auntie, everyone else in order to kind of feel that kind of nurturing sense. Um, so yeah, that was like the first time I ever felt emotion that like had an emotional impact from a song, and it was yeah by Eminem. What was the emotion, if you had to pinpoint it? Well, it's a good question. Um, I felt like, obviously, he was very angry at his mum in that track. And I, I didn't feel... I, I remember thinking, oh, he's so angry. But for me, I think it was someone giving me a voice to feel how I felt. And if I had to sum up that emotion, um, like... Like, I think emotions are broke down through uh, being glad, sad, or mad. So I weren't, I weren't as mad as him, and I weren't glad. So 
probably like mad in a way that's like probably a bit like yeah I and mean, then i get what you're saying because like my my relationship with my mom weren't like the best and um i hear where you're coming from so but it wasn't frustration or anger it was probably just a bit maybe of annoyance i think yeah are you um are you been watching the recent hip-hop documentaries that chuck d's put together i've seen some of them yeah some of them man like and, and seeing eminem on there and like and you, you know there's there's lots of kind of talk of you know of dry and a public enemy and cool j and all of these kind of pioneers and it's only when you start to kind of move away from that kind of golden you know embryonic years of hip-hop mm. that you you then start to look a little bit sort of you know nearer to now even though it's probably still 20 years ago and you, it's insane the impact that eminem had on hip-hop and like and and like you say it was that and 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 i think in a lot of hip-hop certainly in the hip-hop that was coming out at that point vulnerability wasn't something that was necessarily shown Mm -hmm. and i think you know if you disagree speak up but i think eminem showed that vulnerability yeah and 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 just gave a different flavor to, to hip-hop yeah, but i think, I think um, what you're saying is so important because i think what, what he was surrounded with at the time was this braggadocious i'm wearing i'm, I'm wearing a big pimp jacket i've got a cigar in my mouth i've got a big hat i get all the girls i got all the liquor i got all of this eminem's coming out of a track like i am the way i am for example and he's and he's broken down his relationship yeah. with his mum uh, his relationship with his girl and and I think for me it connected because I felt like it was I felt like he was writing from a real authentic inner place which a lot of other musicians weren't really doing it's one yeah. of the reasons why I'm a big yeah. J. Cole fan for example because he doesn't come out with the braggadocious cars lyrics uh, garms all of that he comes from a place of like introspection to a point where he's trying to understand himself as a man yeah. uh, in the world. So I think that type of uh, lyrics and writing resonate with me so much, man. They always have. Absolutely. You, 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 t- you mentioned Kent there. Is, was that where you grew up in Kent? So I was born in the West Midlands. I lived there for um, a year. My mum and my dad split up. My grandma brought me to South London. I lived in South London for about eight, nine years. Moved out to Kent for about three or four years then moved back down to South of London. So, and I now went to uni in Leeds and I've been back in South London. So South London's probably been the most, the area that I've grown up in the most, but I've been around yeah. the UK. Yeah. Yeah. How did you find that? I mean, we'll, we'll get on to school in a moment, but we're sort of, I guess, segue into that by moving around as a, as a young, you know, as a young lad, you know, I imagine that involved the changing of schools. Mm. And like, how, how was that as a young boy? Man, I, I, I'm so glad I'm doing this podcast because I love these conversations, right? Because like people look at me now, right? And and they might think and they might see, oh, he's a creative, talented individual, human who's got success in his career or whatever, right? Um, but I'm a product of my childhood. I've literally moved around to so many different schools in my childhood having to adapt, having to make new friends, having to be friendly with every single person again and again and again, just due to the instability in my family household that led me to kind of have 
these skills that I now have to operate in my adult life. And they say that uh, a child's development between zero to four will ultimately be able to determine like where they go in the rest of their life. And now what I'm realizing is my development as a child from zero to four was so different to other people who are my age, um, their development to zero to four. Theirs was very nurtured. Theirs was very cared for. Um, theirs was very nuclear, stable. There wasn't rapid movement and needing to be around all the time. So yeah, it, it has a profound effect on you, but I think you need to just realize what it is. And I think that um, I've slowly been doing a lot of work around that stuff and I'm trying to, trying to understand it a bit more, you know? And at the time, like, you know, changing school as a young man, did you, you know, was you aware that, right, fuck, I've got, to, I've got to dig deep here and I've got to, I've got to put myself out there and make, make friends. Like I can't just sit back, you know, I've got to, you know, put myself out there, which is, you know, for somebody to walk into a room, you know, me at 49 years of age, I'm not walking into a room thinking, right, I'm now going to go and work the room. I'm thinking, right, okay, this is intimidating. I don't know anyone yeah. in here. But to, you know, to throw that on a, on, you know, on a four, five, six, seven, eight year, you know, nine year old kid, mm. that's so intense. Yeah. And like, you know, was you aware in your own head that you had to throw yourself into it? I wasn't aware what I was doing at a young age. I don't think any four to nine year old knows what they're doing, right? Yeah. Only after I'm realizing, whoa. I really had to do it to survive. So it was yeah. literally like, you get put in this room, you have to now survive. I've dropped off to school, yeah. go deal with school. It's not my mum or my dad dropping me off. It's like an uncle that's dropped me off. Been like, go, go, yeah. go school. I've gone to school. I've made all these friends. Everyone likes me. But it's because I've had to do that at a young, yeah. young age, you know? So when I now do it in a room, I'm not thinking about it. It's not even like you said the interesting thing. You said, oh, I, want, I need to go and work the room. But I'll just walk into a room and my natural go-to is that, oh, how you doing? You're right. Just to, because I've yeah. just been like that since a child. But that's not easy, man. Like for so many people, you say that so like, well, yes, yeah, just what I yeah. do. That's, that's you. But for a lot of people, like that would be like, absolutely like terrifying just to walk up to somebody you don't know. Go, oh, how you doing, man? <laughs> like, so no, you're yeah, right, they're, 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 yeah, I'm learning. I'm learning right. that now. Like a lot of people don't have that. Uh, like people call it an ability. I don't. I don't think it's an ability, but I think it's it's a personality trait. I think some people have it. Yeah. Some people don't have it. Some people gravitate towards it later on in their life. But yeah. I know why I've got it because of the childhood that I had, um, and sure. and just been developing that. But yeah. Well, let's talk school. Tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school. Mm. The song that reminds me of my time at school, the one that I chose was So Solid Crew, 21 Seconds. Because, yeah, it sucked, guys. All-time classic, isn't it? Yeah. That is a, that's a, it's a classic. That, I was, I must have been in year six going into year six. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Seven, and I remember buying the album, So Sorry, Cruise, um, They Don't Know, and had all of them on the front cover. And because I was in Kent, but I grew up in South London, and I'm in Kent, I'm in HMV, I've seen it. It's reminded me of my like London roots and all the friends that I had back here, my cousins, yeah. etc. So I remember buying it, listening to it, um, and just trying to remember everyone's all the lyrics. Because I think back then all it was was about copying what you hear in the music because you're so impressionable as, as a young yeah. person. Um, I only realized after, like a very long time after that everyone's verse was actually recorded 21 seconds. Like, no way. I did not know that. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I don't, it might not be true, but yeah. I, I've, I read it somewhere or, or someone told me recently, everyone's verse on that uh, equated to 21 seconds. So like, oh, love yeah, that. it's mad, didn't it? I didn't know. I didn't know either. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was probably my favorite tune, man. So, with the stuff that you've said in mind, you know, about the kind of, you know, the sort of instability of moving about and uh, and, and maybe, you know, with a great respect, you, you know, to, to sort of say something around what, you know, that you wasn't quite getting the nurturing that you'd hoped for from, from your, your home situation. You had to look further to extended family. How was school as for you? Um, yeah, I mean, moving around obviously was probably the bit that I didn't, necessarily enjoy as much but I benefited from doing it um the actual academic side and like getting on with it I remember in the beginning I really I didn't like it as much uh, I would I wouldn't be able to pay attention as much in school but then as I got older later down the line I started actually enjoying it and started really liking the communication subjects finances and maths I was not a fan of I couldn't even get like average grades. I remember getting sent to the higher set because my cousin was in the school that um, um, I moved in in Southwest London and automatically they just put me in a higher set because he was very brainy at maths. I stayed in there for about a couple of weeks. They moved me to like the lowest set in maths because I couldn't, I wasn't like the best at it. Whereas the subjects like English, history, media studies, um, religious education, the ones where you could put a point of view together 
or an essay or something. Those were the ones that I like excelled in. That's where I got the A's and the B's in. So yeah, it was all right. Towards the end, I started realizing what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. Did you know what you wanted to be? Yeah, but I used to lie. Like, <laughs> stuntman. Like, like, people used to ask me what you want to be when you're younger. I used to lie and I used to say, yeah, like, I'm going to be a computer analyst because it sounds fancy. I yeah. didn't know what I wanted. No, not at all. Um, only not from like all the way up until year nine, I'd say no clue I, what I wanted to be. But then I think I had an amazing media studies teacher, man. God bless this woman's soul because she introduced media studies in year 10 in my GCSEs. And I was just like, this subject is sick. Like, this is amazing. I loved it. Magazines, TV, video, editing, colours, like news. That, it, it triggered something in my brain, I remember. Um, and then after doing that, I done A-levels and then after doing my A-levels, I decided I'm going to go and study journalism at the University of Leeds. And that's when I had a vague idea of like, I want to go into the media industry. Yeah. Did you have a kind of like an area that you felt that you excelled at within, within media that, that was a sort of focus for you at that point? Yeah, it was radio at the time. Right. Yeah, yeah okay. student radio. So I, I went to Leeds. I loved, um, I was young, right? I was like 20, 21. All I was doing was like doing my course, doing my lectures, but then getting music tracks and like putting them together, going and doing a radio show, um, a, a very terrible one, which like three people would listen to, um, but just enjoying the whole process. And then my dream was to just like, try and become a radio presenter like like a radio dj on the bbc that was just like that's all i ever wanted to do um so yeah i'd say i i started focusing more on that but i also loved um the like the journalism and the news and like the the investigative stories and stuff what, what i'll be doing on, on, a, on in my course and stuff so it was a balance but at that time i think it was just radio yeah you're a confident lad at that point no, that's a, that's a good question. I wasn't. I think radio helped build my confidence, ultimately. Because yeah. there's nowhere to run on radio, is there? <laughs> it's happening. And like, it's, it's, that mic goes on and like, you can't make mistakes, oh. can you? It's like, you, there's nowhere to you, go. Yeah, you, it's, you can't hide. Like, whatever's going to come out of your mouth is going to come out of your mouth. And, and, you, can't, <laughs> and you can't delete it. It's, yeah, yeah, it's problematic it. <laughs> so it's a, no i think the question's so good because i wasn't and i used to do student radio uh, and community radio to try and build up my confidence and be able to handle myself in conversations whereas now i have no issue with conversating with any type of person um yeah but that's just due to the experience that i've had in the past right i think i, I think yeah. i was very introverted didn't really speak to people like a lot, a lot. Um, even though I had the background that I did in my childhood, uh, I still lack like certain social skills, but then radio gives you that experience to like have a conversation. But ultimately it taught me early on about listening and how important that is in order to have a great conversation because I've realized in the world, 
I think a lot of people are just not listening. They're listening to their own voice, but they're not listening to someone else in front of them. And I think, I think that training just literally allowed me to just always be present to listen, like this conversation um, and other people's conversations. Yeah. Sorry, man. I won't listen. Sorry, man. You just lost me. <laughs> something about radio or something. <laughs> You're totally right. And, and and do you know what? It's like I've done like 480 of these podcasts now, and and I'm lucky that I get to speak to interesting people, and it makes it so easy to listen mm. because they're talking about subjects that i'm passionate about they're talking about music they're talking about their creative journey and 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 as a podcaster and and as and doing stuff on radio the less i have to talk the easier it is for me mm. as well it's like if i could just listen and let these stories unfold yeah. oh it's great but let me let me let me, let, me, let me ask you a question right as well because as a person who's done nearly 500 episodes yeah how yeah. the conversations that you have in your real life away from the podcast yeah are they as stimulating for your brain in comparison to the conversations that you get you get to have on your podcast it's a good thing my wife don't listen to this <laughs> um uh, <laughs> fields that I work in I work in the creative industries and and so I get to to meet and chat and 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 have lovely conversations and and it, and it's really weird because I think one of the things that I'm trying to do less of is turn all of my passions into work mm. and like because sometimes it's nice to have a passion that isn't work and you don't try and monetize it and you know and make it your job it's like no do you know what that's i just like doing that like why don't i just leave that over there and not do a podcast about it or you know write about it or whatever and i think like that that's really important but yeah i, I certainly I, I love chatting to people i wouldn't do this otherwise and i and I've, you know I'm, I'm i'm lucky that i've surrounded myself uh, you know I'm, I'm nearly 50 now so I've, I've, I've managed to kind of surround myself at this point in my life with people that I really enjoy their mm. company and their conversations and so yeah like equally you know st stimulating conversations it's, it, yeah it's really interesting that because um you don't like I, I found it hard in the beginning because I realized I'd be going to either a radio show or I'd be going and having all of these like be interviewing like all of these favorite people like Kevin Hart or like all of these musicians that I've, I've grown up listening to. And then I'd come back and I'd be like, I need to, I need to chase that high again because I had such a great high having a conversation with these people. And then as you get older, you start realizing that, yeah, it's all good. And now I'm really like cool and calm with it. Cause it's not something that I'm chasing. I'm allowing it to like come to me like this podcast, for example, I really want to do and talk about these things and be asked these questions and ask you questions because um, that's the way that I learn as well at the end of the day. It's, it's always been through people. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I do like it. The, the thing you said about not changing, uh, not making your passions into your paychecks, like that is something that I'm starting to just kind of make peace with. Not everything needs to be monetized. 
even like yeah. the spoken word poetry you were talking about like that is just something i just want to be able to carry on just doing just and and have fun with it and enjoy it and feel yeah. good from it whilst doing all of this all of this other creative stuff in in my career and in my job yeah i mean that, that's the thing it's like not everything has to be content something can just be mm -hmm. fun and i think like uh, but it's also so easy when you're doing something you really enjoy doing and there's an audience there it's like, oh i could do something yeah. with this and i think i do think it's important to just you know every one in five just go do you know what no i'm gonna leave that and just that's my that's my time and i'm gonna just enjoy yeah it. Uh, it's taken me a long time to get to that place you know because my whole brain has been thinking from since i was young till now content 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 what can I make? What can I do? How can I put myself out there? How can I get the next opportunity? But that's, I think that comes from being self-employed yeah. uh, and, and working for yourself. That And to go right the way back to the beginning, you know, hustle. Yeah. Because you've not got that paycheck at the end of each yeah. week. You know, if you work for yourself, whether you're an actor, you know, or broadcaster, whatever you want to do, you know, it, it can be, day to day week to week month to month you know and so you do have to put yourself out there and so i think it's so easy to say yes to to so many opportunities that get put your way because you just think this might not come mm. again and like so let, 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 let's let's grab this but yeah i don't know where i'm going with this conversation but uh but but i do think it's important to retain a little bit of your passions just for the the, the love 100 percent. i agree with that a lot um and i and i'm i'm learning that as i'm getting older but i can just notice i'll be in situations and i used to be like the least creative person that i could think of like i used to envy people who could come up with ideas monetize them um and and enjoy and like enjoy the successes from there right now i think it's the opposite where I'm doing it a bit too much, like not like I'm telling myself to just, it's all right, calm down. Today, you do not have to worry about where the next paycheck's coming from and what idea you can come up with. You've got your ideas that you've worked on, start developing them, start thinking of them long-term um, and just go with the flow of everything else that you're, that, that I'm kind of able to do. So yeah, Absolutely. yeah, it works. Absolutely. You've chose really cool records so far, Mim. So um, tell me the first thing you remember buying from a record shop. <laughs> first uh, thing I remember buying from a record store, it was a tape. It was a cassette tape. Uh, it wasn't even a CD or anything. It was for the boy band Blue, and it was a track called All Rise. And like in comparison to the, of the three tracks that I just said, this one doesn't fit in any of it, but... It was like, it, it, it was a tune, man. It was yeah. just, it was, I remember seeing a music video. Um, I'm buying a cassette just on a whim. Like, I wonder if this is good. Putting it in, in, in the radio stereo and listening to it and just being like, yeah, this is a vibe. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, I, I, we spoke about confidence a lot so far uh, on here. And, and one of the things, all of the industries that you've, you've chosen to work within you know whether it be acting or broadcasting fiercely 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 competitive tell me about your relationship with drive yeah that's a, another good question um yeah where i work i'm like 
trying to even build a career in what I've been able to try and build a career in is probably the most competitive and the hardest industry to I personally think try and crack because it's not. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Like settling for a nine-to-five job and, and when working in that way, you're, you're on all the time. Um, I think I've always had drive. I think I don't lack with that. I think it's always been there. I've been able to meet some amazing people across my time working that have instilled um, a level of like drive and taught me things that have helped me because I haven't been able to get that from no one else because they understand it because they've been working in, the, in, in these industries. But I think I've always been ambitious since I was young. And I think the reason I got that is because I'm an only child. So I think a lot of only children, because they don't have like siblings around them, sometimes they have an overactive imagination in which they're able to kind of manifest or put on a mood board. This is what I want to do with my life. This is where I want to go. That's how I want that to move. But I think I've always had that, man. I don't think, and I don't think that's going anywhere. I think it will always be there. I always like to ask guests, uh, and it's, it feels like a good time to ask if you said that, you know, you, you you found yourself surrounded by people that have been in the industry for a long time, you know, that, that, that you can draw from their experience and such. Do you suffer with imposter syndrome ever? Yeah, man. A hundred percent. I've been like all the time. Imposter syndrome was something that I could, I didn't even think I could even get rid of because it was so, it, it was, it was so like, it was a, it was a loud imposter syndrome. It was a, like a, what are you doing? Like you, this ain't where you belong. This is not the best thing for you to do. Um, how did you blag it here? Um, what if you find, what if you get caught? Uh, for doing it and I'm thinking get caught doing what I haven't done anything wrong like now like I've not done anything illegal or wronged anybody to get an experience what I get to experience in my career like why have I got these voices saying no nah, you can't do that you can't do this you're gonna get found out in a minute yeah. <laughs> but I haven't done nothing like go away and I'm telling you, bro, the place where I'm at right now, in comparison to back then, I don't have that that anymore. I don't know what it is. I don't know whether I've been working on my mental health or I don't know whether it's uh, just coming to terms with it and knowing it comes up and then ignoring it. I think I've just become a bit more like stronger mentally or content with who I am, as you do as you get older, right? But because, because sure. I was young... I think I'd let the opinion of other people affect like my, my my state and now that doesn't happen. But yeah, imposter syndrome massively. I was proper affected by it, man. And then I had to read up on it and realise what it was and, and understand uh something like that. And now I'm addicted to doing that, that I'm always looking for something new that I can figure out what's going on with me, you know. Um but yeah, really good question. 
you, you just mentioned there uh, being a little younger. So let's let's go back a couple of years. And I mean, you're still a young man, but let's 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 talk about uh, track five and tell me, please, the song that soundtrack your years clubbing. That was the what is it? The, the oh clubbing. Yeah. That was, okay. Yeah, I chose Jay Sean Down, and there's a reason for this, right? Because I, when I went to uni, my first year was 20, wait, what was it? 2009, I went to University of Leeds, first year freshers. This track would be on everywhere, right? Everywhere, every club we'd go to, every like social gathering, I just remember this being played. And Lil Wayne was on the remix to it because obviously Jay Sean just got signed to Cash Money Records at the time. Yeah. And it was huge. Especially for me, because I'm South Asian, I'm Pakistani, right? We don't necessarily have or had musicians back then in 2009 in the mainstream on a track with Lil Wayne being played in America. So me as like a young Pakistani South Londoner going up to Leeds, studying with my mates, then hearing him in like a club was like, oh, wow. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. That that's I know that person because I, I listened to some of his stuff like four or five years ago. I'm not saying like it's a go-to track that I would go back to and maybe listen now. My taste yeah. has changed, but back then I remember it being very um yeah, it had an impact on me because he was a it was another brown man that was singing um and like rapping on a mainstream level. And I just remember being like, okay. And then I got to meet him years later after the BBC, and I was just like, oh wow, okay, this is all like it's all making sense now as, as somebody that wanted to sort of facilitate a career in in acting and broadcasting um and and and, and seeing underrepresentation in mainstream media you know you talked there about Jay Sean being like the first brand man that you you know that was it hit mainstream you know um hip hop like did that ever make you question can i do it yeah, yeah, massively. I, 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 yeah, all the time. And I think that was one of the voices that I had with the imposter syndrome thing. It was like, you're trying to forge a career in an industry where you haven't really seen that many people that look like you, that speak like you, that dress like you, go and do it. So are you deluded? Like, are you actually deluded? Is it going to happen? Yeah. But... It's like what you're saying with the drive thing and there's just something that you, you get up and you want to do it. And now I've realised that I feel like that. I feel like it's part of my purpose, man. I feel like I want to try and, yeah, like break the mould and just try and do things that be remembered or make it easier is what I'm trying to say. Make it easier for people who are coming up behind you in order to have an easier time. Um and try to drop off some gems for people whilst doing it, you know? That's not saying that I'm going to be groundbreaking or do something for the first time. That I know other people have done that, but I'm just saying, I think that's what gets me up in the morning and goes, right, cool, what can we what can we try and do that will be able to, to make that impact later down the line? Because only now are we slowly having our time. I, I, I personally believe there's musicians who are becoming mainstream, the film that I'm a part of that comes out at the end of February is being shown worldwide. And that focuses on like a British family and a Pakistani family, like living coincidentally. It talks about marriage, arranged marriage, like all of these things, you know, and I'm, and I'm witnessing it now. And I'm like, wow, okay. 
this is going to be hopefully good for the culture at the end of the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's take you home. And for track six, a favourite song from an artist from your home county. Where's home, man? You've been I everywhere. Have been, I have been everywhere. <laughs> I have been everywhere. So home county is um, southwest London, uh, Mitcham, like based on the border of Mitcham and Collierswood. Um, it's like an estate, uh, Phipps Bridge um, is what is uh, known as, obviously, notoriously known back in the day, um, but now not as bad as it was. Um, and the artists that I've chosen, because I, I put down two, I couldn't choose one because they both lived on this estate. Um, MIA um, is a musician. People might know her from like, tracks like Swagger Like Us or, yeah, Borders. Paper planes, paper man. Planes, paper planes, yeah. Galang. Yeah. Smash, that's a smash. I forgot about that one. Um, or, and yeah, so she's, um, and again, she's like, um, she's Sri Lankan, um, not to define her ethnicity in a way, but just her artistry is so unique and amazing. Um, at one Have you seen her documentary? She yeah, made? yeah. Fucking yeah. hell, man. That blew me away. So in that documentary, she lived in a block of flats around here, like around around right. here. And her dad was in the living room and they filmed it. And I'm watching that documentary like, oh, yo, she's made it. And she's made a doc about her growing up. And that, I see that block of flats like all the time growing up where I've grown up. So for I mean, that's inspiring. Right? That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So I've seen her do that and been like, yo, if MIA has gone and achieved a, a critical success worldwide and she lived here for a bit like no one can ever tell you you can't go and achieve your dreams at the end of the day yeah. um she ends up doing like the super bowl halftime show with like madonna and yeah, she's man. Fucking she, yeah she, and she's smart as well man i really like man. i like the direction of her music videos i love how she has like some like a polit like a political activism voice like she uses a platform in a way that like uh spreads like a good message to people um and i think that's important and then the second person that i've chosen is a musician called fuse fuse odg and he had a track that absolutely popped off his career called azonto um and then there was another record that he released after that called million pound girl which i absolutely loved but again him literally a stone throw away like down the road um don't live here now obviously but i'm saying like back in the day that's where they grew up yeah. and um they were so those those are the two musicians that i chose great great choices last track now i'm going to uh give you an opportunity to be a tastemaker now and uh and i'll ask you to tell me please a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear yeah so this is a track um yeah by a, a musician called George uh and an actress and a, a spoken word uh performer uh artist called uh Thea and the track that I've chosen is called Halos um and again it resonated with me so it's a real nice record it's it's chilled um but he's talking about like Halos and him losing his I think it was his grandmother or having someone like a death in a family and, and kind of like making sense of that through music. Um, but I remember it, I, I listened to it through one of my friends in lockdown and it even reminds me of just like 
the last like two, three years that we had when we couldn't even leave the house yeah. and stuff like that. So I don't think a lot of people have heard it. If they have, amazing. If they haven't, then they get to listen to something brand new. Absolutely. We make it easy for people to do that because we put together a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast so people can go and listen to, to all of your picks okay. that's uh, really good. over on there. You touched upon the, the film that's coming soon. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you said what it was called. So tell us a little bit more about yeah, it. Yeah, so um, the film that I'm a part of that's coming out at the end of February is a film called What's Love Got to Do With It? It's a British uh, South Asian romantic comedy. Um, it's got people like Emma Thompson starring in it, Shazad Latif, Arsene Chowdhury, Jeff Mirza, um, yeah, all, all acting in it. And it looks at the concept of arranged marriage, assisted marriage. Um, and I think as stereotypes go, people who don't belong to the South Asian community sometimes think a lot of Asian people marry their cousins or a lot of Asian people have arranged marriages for them where they don't know who they're marrying and it gets, it gets done like that. What this film has cleverly done through the writer has been able to kind of show actually there's not bad things that is wrong with that way of meeting someone and dating someone. If you were to hook someone up uh, in a relationship, would it work? Would it be okay? If your family had to choose, would it work and would it be okay? Um, rather than going through dating apps and matching on Tinder and all of these things. So, yeah, it's, it's looking at that. It's really nice. It's a, it's a feel-good one, man. There's, like, dancing in it. There's singing in it. There's It's a, it's a rom-com. Like, we've had so many British rom-coms, and I think Brits are so great at making rom-com. Yeah. Um, like, Love Actually, uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. It's one of them films you can go watch and feel good afterwards. Um, so I think... And we need that, man. We need that right now. I'm telling you. <laughs> More than yeah, ever. 100%. <laughs> like, everybody needs to take their missus, uh, their boyfriends, girlfriends, and just go have a good... When's the last time people went to the cinema to, like, watch a film? Yeah. Some people might not go regularly. I go regularly because I love film. But just go. Like, even your mum. Like, just take your mum and watch it. It's, it's, it's one of them ones that will evoke some, hopefully, like, nice emotions in you. Um and that's what cinema, yeah, cinema is good for doing that. And I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad to be part of it. Wonderful. Mim, if, we, if people want to kind of keep up to speed with all of your creative output in whatever genre it is, where's the best place to, to keep up to speed? With what I would say to? Instagram, definitely. Um, like, yeah, Twitter as well. But Twitter's like, I get drawn to Twitter because of words. I'm drawn to Instagram for images and videos and letting people know what I'm up to. Um, yeah, so Instagram is mim, M-I-M underscore shake, um, S-H-A-I-K-H. Um, Twitter is the same, mim, shake, and then an underscore. And then I release, like, I'm starting to get back into the flow of, like, releasing some stuff on YouTube as well. I've got a YouTube channel. It's called Mim Shake Official. There's, like, spoken word videos on there from, like, six, seven years ago, short films, sketches. But I've been so inactive just due to like being busy, I want to like start getting back into the swing of things as well. Yeah. Oh, well, if it's cool with you when this comes out, we'll tag you in it. So if people aren't following you already, then uh, we make it nice and easy for them. Um, Mimi, it's been a real delight, man. Uh, it's been so much fun chatting yeah. to you. I really appreciate you coming on and, 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 and speaking so honestly. And, and it's been really interesting and, and lovely. Yeah, no, nah, you're welcome, man. I really enjoyed the questions. I thought the conversation was sick. Um, and yeah, if anybody's able to listen and they learn something, then I think we've done our job in it. 
absolutely, mate. I'm going to press stop. Don't go anywhere. Ah, oh, there you go, you smashing listeners. I told you you was in for a treat. What a delight Min was. Um, go check out the film. Go give him a follow. Um, love that chat. Absolutely love that chat. It's just inspiring when you hear people that, you know, have kind of like, you know, sort of disruptive upbringings, you know, that get moved about half to kind of, you know, endeavour that going to a new school at such a formative age and having to start all over again and, 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 you know, make friends. That must be so tough. And to sort of come out of that with like a confidence and a drive to, you know, to really pursue your your goals, it's, it's inspiring. And uh, I hope you got as much joy uh, of listening to that as I did having that conversation with me. And what, a, what an absolute dude. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, there's nearly 500 episodes now. So go have a good old explore with a back catalogue now. Go and, uh, yeah, actors, like, honestly, there's a good there's a good 50 episodes with like all your favorite actors. Um, so go and go and scroll through the list and see what you can find. And that's aside from all the comedians, DJs, producers, and obviously musicians. And yeah, we've had them all. So I say we've had them all. I've had them all. Um, it's only me. And, uh, and as I mentioned, you know, if you want to support me in this little podcast, then, uh, the best way you can do that, um, is just give us a, uh, subscribe wherever you, you listen or a follow uh, and and if you really want to support it then you can become a Patreon for uh, I think about 70p a month and, and I'll give you loads of content uh, over on there and that's patreon.com forward slash off the beat and track or your one stop shop for everything is off the beat and track podcast.com I'm back next time. In the meantime, um, just be nice to each other and uh, I love you lots. See you soon. Bye-bye.